0: This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable!
1: From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, it's Men in Blazers podcast, Rog. As you crack open your first third butt of the day. Bienvenue.
0: Soyez les bienvenus. To all our listeners in France, like the yep. rest of the world. We were stunned, stunned, David, by the scenes of destruction in Notre Dame yesterday.
1: Yes, yeah, so sad, so much regret.
0: I mean, The shocking thing, aside from the obvious pain and the loss and the feeling of violated memories that we all have from visits to that site of wonder, was oh, it's just a reminder of the impermanence of our world, David. We always think we are, what we're building, the monuments we build will last forever, and they won't. I mean, the end of the planet of the apes in which that Statue of Liberty is just showing us a wrecked bit on the beach. <laughs> everything fades to dust. Everything. See, uh, our greatest monuments, our legacies, our memories, all that matters ultimately is how you treat people and what you feel in the uh, now. That's what I realized.
1: Okay, you got to a nice point at the end. But what I think is remarkable, <laughs> do you know the year that Notre Dame was
0: built? Um, I think Everton won the league for the last time when it was uh, when It
1: was built. It was like Close. 800 years ago. Close. L- 1163, they started building that thing. They finished it in 1345. They gave it a good 180-year run, of that building.
0: Yeah, you try and build anything that quickly nowadays. <laughs> I know. It's yeah, very fine. funny. There's Get no way There's no no one. No, build no. Yeah, Health
1: and safety won't let you do it. But it's to me, it is the remarkable permanence mm. that that building has stood, that the Nazis tried to take it down, Rog. Uh, everybody tried to destroy that building. It survived, you know, survived everything, and it's still going to survive. Let's face it, it's still going to survive. You know, as of this morning, you know, we've lost some very, very important parts of that building, but it's still going to survive. I'm sure they will, they will rebuild. Tragic, nonetheless. But to me, it's a how many buildings? There are so few buildings of that age still standing that are that good. Peter Crouch. <laughs> yeah, Peter Crouch. Much the last Jags. One.
0: Oh, all that matters. I'll repeat. Is how you treat people and what you feel in the now. And in the terms of feeling in the now, Dave, wow. Wow, Minneapolis. What a city. What a football town. What a Men in Blazers show.
1: Yeah, also built in 1163,
0: Rog. Well, that's how long our show felt like it lasted. <laughs> yeah, it lasted from about 1163 to
1: 1345.
0: A sold-out show. Mm-hmm. How, I don't know how many people, I counted at least 14 people in the crowd, and then I couldn't count any higher. It was at yep. the Ordway Theatre, a beautiful theatre, proper theatre, yep. 2,000 Men in Blazers, GFOPs, yep. just with us, celebrating a remarkable stealth history, a stealth American footballing history, which we'll talk about in one second. I will say, I was blown away by Minneapolis. I genuinely loved it.
1: You saw a lot more of it than me. What was it that you loved about it?
0: I think mostly the juicy Lucy that I <laughs> ate there. Yeah. Shout out to Matt's Bar. Yeah. One of my culinary and J Dubs and I have eaten in many remarkable American spots this year. The Juicy Lucy was just a slice of heaven that made me feel for a minute, for a minute, that everything's going to be okay. You love the lutefisk, fisk, right? The well, lutefisk, fisk, which we ate on stage. Well, did I love it or did I eat it? I ate it we and, I, take, and, I, for I, and you, I swallowed it for and who I don't digested know what it. it, it <laughs> is, for those who don't know what it is, it's <laughs> I cod. don't know what it is. It's a local <laughs> dish. I'll tell you now. <laughs> okay. It's a local dish, Scandinavian mm-hmm. in extract, obviously, because it was Minnesota. It's uh, cod explains marinated all. in lye. And yes, lye is the chemical. Mm-hmm. And many of you will be listening on murderers now, so you'll know this. Yeah. The murderers used to dispose of bodies. So yeah. they decided, yeah, let's make no one's going to eat cod in live, but if we call it Ludfisk. Yeah. lutefisk. Yeah. I will say when David was going to eat it live on stage, and when he put the spoon to his mouth, 2,000 people in the audience screamed. Gasped.
1: They said, no! As you know, I was married to a Swedish woman for 10 years, yeah. mother of my children. So I ate a lot of bad Scandinavian food <laughs> over those over those years. So and so this was pack. just this was just like middle of the pack. I tasted terrible. Te- Scandinavian. I tasted
0: it too, Pesco. I
1: prefer it to the herring.
0: I, I ate whale, it tasted like whale semen to me is how I described it. Uh,
1: where did Just you eat whale semen? whale semen? When, where haven't I ate
0: whale semen? <laughs> oh no. All over the place, mate. Cut that. <laughs> <laughs> no, where did I eat whale semen? In Liverpool. <laughs> In cans, mate. I was genuinely, <laughs> <laughs> cans of whale semen. Oh, That's an amazing mental picture. Save the whales. King Wales, <laughs> even, <sorry. laughs> I was I was blown away, though, by Minnesota. The yeah. reception for our live show. Story of that footballing history that we were able to tell on stage. On Saturday morning, slightly hungover, slightly hungover, uh-huh. I ambled between Premier League games to sit beside the mighty Mississippi. And I was just genuinely humbled by the industrial history that seeps right through the town, has kind of forged. And we, we learn that on stage. has forged a pattern of singular creativity emerging from that city. Obviously, the mighty prince who you love and the song
1: in particular that we thought about as we froze our arses off. Yeah, sometimes it snows in April, <laughs> but it seems to slow in April every year. He wasn't and certainly lying. as we arrived in April.
0: I and mean, for me, the replacement, Tusker all the sound that came... Um, And Slug from Atmosphere in our interview talked about it, about the DIY approach to life and culture there. Of course, the true pathos and big dreams of self-sabotaging failure, I am drawn to them. I respect Minnesota sports for big dreams and heartbreak. They're like Everton Football Club played out on a statewide basis. And the Vikings, all pro safety, Harrison Smith, talked about that with such honesty and passion. More than anything, the footballing history, they started with the kicks, in the NASL, which we love, Davey, We love that name. We love the, the kicks. kicks. We love the NASL. We love the
1: Kicks. And we particularly love the Kicks because of their name. Yeah, the Kicks. You could yeah. be in that market. Didn't that was a yeah. long
0: marketing meeting that they had to come with a name or a short one? What
1: is this sucker malarkey? What yeah. do they do? They, they kick the ball with oh, their feet? Okay, Wait a minute. No, let me stop you
0: there. You said something <laughs> which I think is radically important. Yeah. What are we going to go with? I think they were like... Let's keep brainstorming. I'd love to know what they would If you, dear listener, were in that meeting, tell us the names they
1: rejected before they came yeah, up the with the headers. That. The headers. But I love the idea of, the, uh, of ice hockey teams being called the Slapshots or, yeah. or of football teams being called the Throws. The
0: Poughkeepsie Passes. Let's yeah. alliterate our NFL teams. They became the Thunder, uh, yeah. went indoors. They became the stars in the minor league. And now Minnesota United, that fan base, the Dark Clouds, the True North Elite, who we pre-game with. Oh, those are fans. Watching them on their supporter terrace, I think Wonderwall, so steep, so loud. It was like being at Winterfell the day that castle was first opened by the Starks. I will raise my bud to you in Minnesota. You are the true kings of the
1: north. Can I just say that we've sometimes been critical of all of these MLS teams calling themselves United FC, but there is something about the word United that actually completely and utterly applies to some of these teams. Atlanta, certainly. Minnesota United, it is so united behind... St. Paul and Minneapolis. And the whole state is so united uh, behind that team and very exciting with their new stadium slash nightclub uh, opening. More Wednesdays,
0: though, guys. More Wednesdays. And also, Chicago, if you're listening, go Sting.
1: Just re-embrace the Sting. It's, oh, we love the Sting. Oh, history, it's glorious. So good.
0: We're going again, though,
1: Daveo. Yeah, it's going to be another special night, Rog. the sixth annual Golden oh. Blazer. It's going down, all going down, it Wednesday, really is. May 22nd at the Skirball Center for the Performing Arts in New York City. It is going to be one for the ages, Rog. Tickets it, available it at meninblazers.com. Proceeds from this year's show will again go to hope for the Warriors. We do so much for out. Come join us for an evening of beer pie and song. We absolutely cannot wait.
0: Can I just say, we talk about shows a lot. We've had so much joy on stage. This Golden Blazer, the lineup is all I can tell you that we're putting together. It is going to be
1: a night, oh, night of wonder. Come be with us. You know, because Golden Blazer, let's face it, it is the WrestleMania of the Men in Blazers live events. By the way,
0: great thinking though, maybe one golden blazer we should do in battle royale format.
1: Where we get like all the American podcasters
0: (laughs) in the ring (laughs) and then see who's left at the end. It'd definitely be Winelda, won't it? What I can't believe is what it's grown into. I really, really can't. I'm genuinely filled with joy Mm. by the footballing culture that's forged behind it. And in that note, vote now for our new award, which we are taking so bloody seriously, the American Player of the Year Award. The Premier League award for the player who has most thrilled you weekend morning in and out over this season. A trophy is being smelted. Robbie Musto doing tree pose, working on the tree pose,
1: but the leg keeps snapping off. But but let's be clear, this is the Premier League player who has most thrilled Americans. Uh, correct. It is, and that's very, very important. There's player of year voted by the players in the Premier League. There's a player of the year voted by the sports writers in England. I'm interested to see if the American player of the year is different than that, because it has a different has a different aspects of his character or personality that uniquely appeal to Americans. Oh, and I will say the
0: votes are pouring in. It's costing a small fortune. We keep having to extend the bandwidth of the uh, the voting contest, but it is a total joy. We're looking also for the vote for American, American player of the year. Yeah, this is important. The American who has most thrilled you. The American player who has most thrilled you of the three who have played in this the Premier
1: League season. Yeah, and, and the nominees are?
0: Well, it's D'Andre Yedlin. Yeah. Pelé of throw-ins. Yeah, amazing. Tim Rehm. Yeah. Nothing can get past him. Yeah. Apart from some things.
1: (laughs) Certainly not Everton.
0: (laughs) And and then I watched Huddersfield against Tottenham. Yeah. That fantastic performance. I looked at it purely through the guise of the American, American player. Because I think in the 94th minute, Huddersfield put on Danny Williams, played the last 30 seconds of the game. Yeah. Did not actually kick the ball, nor did Mm -hmm. the ball come close to him. But I looked at it and thought... That's his fifth appearance of the year. That yeah. may impact the that vote. Qualifies that qualifies him. That, no, he was in already. Oh, he was. <laughs> we didn't seconds, have a minimum number of appearances. The 30 seconds in which he didn't kick a ball or have the ball. That, will that impact the vote for him? Or will that change it in his favor? Because he looked good when he came on under the board, chewing, looking menacing. Good, good. Though we jest. Good, Daddy! We,
1: we do not denigrate the the history of American Americans in the Premier League. Not at all. Um, and... In some ways, we're laying down this marker this year because starting next year, a lot more Americans, one significantly, CP, going to be playing for Chelsea, hopefully as long as Sarri's not coach. And we're building equity in the the American-American player of the year. For the future, it's going to be... this. I look forward to
0: the day, and I'll say this now, and let's clip this quote so that in years to come, it will come true, and I will weep when that comes true. I hope to be alive when this comes true, Mm -hmm. because weeping when dead. Less satisfying. When the American player of the year is the one and the same as the American American player of the year. Oh, I thought
1: you were going a different direction. What direction? It's a direction I'm not like. Go on. I can't wait until I'm dead. Until well, that's true. (laughs) That's true. I might cause it. The I can't wait until the until the Senegalese equivalent of Men in Blazers. It might be it might be the Senegalese duo who've bought the Men in Blazers franchise in Senegal and other parts of West Africa, where they not only vote for the Senegalese player of the year, but we 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 hear that they're also doing the Senegalese Senegalese player of the year. You know what? When when every nation in the world decides that they're gonna vote for that that day. Day.
0: I look forward to that day, but I do look forward to the day that the American American player. Of the year is the same as the American player of the year, that the best player in the Premier League is yeah. an American. I'd like to get to a point where we, we we retire the American, American player of the year because it becomes redundant. Yeah, I know. There's just a dynasty, an American dynasty, yeah. rocking, rolling. Christian Pulisic's children yeah. will just be destroying all comers, yeah. playing for just franchise. Playing under an
1: American coach. Team America. In, a, in, a, in a, an American-owned team. Yeah. Played Probably in Bradley's Fresno. <laughs> <laughs> it's the future. Beep, boop, beep, for Fresno beep, United. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah. Okay, Rog, we've got a packed show. We're going to talk the title race that set English football alight. We break down the Lucas Moura hat trick oh. that the whole world saw coming. Yeah, mostly us. <laughs> and we dive into the murky depths of the relegation zone, where those lucky enough to have teeth are fighting tooth and nail for survival. Plus, the NWSL kicks off its seventh season. Let's go oh. to the football, Rog. Oh,
0: let's go and start with a toast. and pouring out my bud. Oh, I love all the grief I get for the big head. We were taught by the Bud Brew in St. Louis exactly how to pour it. I love to aerate my beer as I toast you GFOPs. <laughs> I want to raise my first, third Bud of the day. Yep. to Tiger Woods, who did so much for every human being who's totally balding, or really into mock turtlenecks on Sunday. I'm not a Tiger fan, to be clear. I'm a, I'm a Kiradesh rat kind of guy. But Tiger to me, He's a gentleman who has flown too close to the sun. Not the first, and he won't be the last. But what I admire is that he bottomed out, and then some, miscut after miscut, surgery after surgery, prescription painkillers in the full public glare. And when you do that, human darkness typically occurs. And a guest slot on Celebrity Rehab is kind of your next best thing that your agent can get you. But Tiger, he kept at it. He weathered the long, shameful lack of form on tour, the chronic pain, lived a long, long time as a cautionary tale, and then somehow snapped back, summoning deep within himself the performance of a demigod. Vince Lombardi, he once said, and I've always loved this quote, but I always thought it was a cliche. He said, the real glory is being knocked to your knees and then coming back. And I always thought that was a sporting cliche, but Tiger lived it out at the weekend and it was inspirational. It was humanly magnificent to witness. I raise my bud fam, blood fam, to what we all shared in watching him. What Arsene Wenger once told me is the one common quality in every hyper successful person in life. Tenacity. To Tiger's tenacity, as defined
1: by Arsene Wenger, stamina in your motivation. I have to just put a little asterisk to that. I have very conflicted thoughts, as you do, about Tiger (laughs) Woods. His talent is just staggering. His ability to play against the best players in the world and just make them look average. He came from behind. He beat some of the best golfers in the world in form on an incredibly difficult golf course. Of course, it's a golf course that he's dominated before. And yeah, you're right. He did get back from his knees. He did respond to adversity. But I would posit that this adversity was all self-caused. Oh, yeah. And what makes me a sort of doubt that sort of this storyline of, oh, my God, let's just like give him this amazing plaudits for like bouncing back. At the point that 11 years since he won his, his major championship, what could he have done as a champion over the last 11 years had he not done this to himself? And I know people say, oh, the injuries, he wasn't responsible for those. He kind of was. Like, staying fit as a professional is a pretty huge thing. He built himself huge. He kept on changing his swing. And so... It, yes, still credit uh, for being an amazing golfer and coming back. But honestly, I was left thinking at the point that he was putting on that green jacket yet again is what we've missed from him and what he took away from himself over the last 11 years. He's very tough to go to a kid. For me, I've got a son who plays golf and a son who you know, enjoys watching the Masters. Very tough for me to look at that champion. And this is so weird because he's so good and say... You know, there are great life lessons that you can go and take from this person. I and most of
0: them are dark. I could yeah. not agree more. I could not agree. But ultimately, that is life. Yeah. That is life. And life is a human darkness. Just enjoy the now.
1: Anyway, let's start with the game of horse that is the Premier League title race, one in which Manchester City and Liverpool both refused to miss shots. We're going to do this chronologically and begin early Sunday morning. City kicked off first and had the chance to heap pressure on Liverpool, who played later that morning. The defending champs did just that, defeating Crystal Palace, 3-1 at Selhurst Park. Rog, as we said on the TV show yesterday, this is a team that's given City problems, especially recently, that 3-2 defeat uh, over the uh, Christmas New Year period. Uh, But a Raz double, a Gabriel Jesus goal, sees City scoop all three points despite a late Luka Milivojevic free kick. Oh, he's broadening his uh, horizons. He's going for free kicks as well as penalties.
0: Just a penalty.
1: That made things slightly nervy. In the end, City continue their imperious Premier League form.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that 3-2 win at the Etihad for Palace, the most joyful moment of the season. Oh, that
1: Townsend goal. Oh,
0: oddly enough, though, Palace, we talk about the bare pit of Selhurst Park. They've actually been better on the road than at home this season. And so it was on this day when, frankly, they were all too easy to control and dispose of by Manchester City, who needed a win after that surprise, but overcomeable 1-0 Champions League first leg loss at Tottenham. And they got a win courtesy of a finishing clinic put on by Raheem Sterling. First came a reversion to old Raz, though, Daveo. City began with their purring, their whirring, their probing, and Raz served up with almost an open goal at far post from Breccia range. He instead, what did he do, David? Yeah, he kind of scuffed it, pulled it wide with his left foot and left with his head in his hands. And it's like him playing one of his classic hits as a young Raz Sterling tribute band bobbled agonisingly wide and in the past young Raz, that would have finished his game that would have been just front of Raz's mind but Palace setting up to soak up pressure and hope they could nick something with Zaha maybe falling over and and, and setting up a a Milivojevic penalty they came undone on one of their rare foray forward, you don't foray forward against City, they won a free kick in a dangerous area, they overcommitted, and once City reclaimed the ball found its way to KDB, a man whom Pet would later call supernatural, and
1: what a pass. He puts a ball through to Raheem Sterling. A galloping Sterling. Raz, a galloping raz. I mean, it's just so amazing. I mean, part of me, I was wondering sort of in equal parts at the quality of the long pass, just hit at such superb speed. In slow motion, you even watch oh. Raz look at it and say, wait a minute, I've got to catch up to this ball. Wait a minute, no, I don't, because it is bloody perfect. Did the ball control Raz? Or, or oh, did Raz control the ball? Almost. It was just so, so perfect. Raz's touch was also perfect. I was also marvelling at the quality of the Selhurst Park pitch, that this late in the season, this pitch is just looking so good that it was that true for that ball. But it was that was a wonderful, wonderful pass.
0: That pass I, I said on the television show that the proton torpedo, that Luke Skywalker sent down the Death Star's thermal exhaust port. I love that.
1: It's one of your analogies that I actually understood.
0: That was less precise, though, than yeah. KDB's pass. And Raz... Again, as a young pretender, Raz, he would have only had that miss on his mind, would have blasted the
1: ball into the Thames. Raz, 2.0 though, so confident. Yeah, he had to honour the perfection of that pass and his his first touch was matched only by the quality of the finish.
0: But that was a man you look at, man who now is able to overcome adversity and miss chances calmly, confidently, joyously, thunderously. Oh, and he smashed the ball home. He grabbed a second. I love this finish. His 17th goal of the season a moment of sublime thought and action. What a human wonder he is to watch now, David.
1: Uh, I think, well, talk about, this is someone that I think you can point to, to kids watching the Premier League and say, here's a sporting hero. Here's somebody who's become a hero, both on and off the pitch, who's dealt with more adversity than almost anyone. I think it's remarkable what he's doing. I love watching him play football. Honestly, I, you know, we've always struggled with City. I find delight, delight, in watching Raheem Sterling play football. And, You know, throughout this game, you know, I'm a big Palace fan. I I love watching them play football. I've seen Palace really match up very well, not only against City early in the season, but against a lot of sides. City took them apart. They took them apart. They looked like they could score again and again and again and again.
0: I mean, Palace also didn't really come at them physically. And City could have scored again and again, could have scored a lot more. Kun slightly limping throughout this game. But a word on Raz, I will say, I adore him. I mean, a man who has overcome all that hate, all of it, almost channeled all of that hate and used it as leverage internally and motivation. And he's emerged from the crucible of pressure and the media really, really riding him as a joyously lethal footballer impacting Manchester City's biggest games on the field. And acting as a singularly powerful voice for change, off it is really exercising his voice right now, and it's amazing to see. We'll talk about that yeah, absolutely. more in this podcast. I find him genuinely inspirational. Also inspirational, Manchester City: twelve wins out of thirteen league games played in two thousand nineteen. That is winning so much, so dominantly. We talked about that with Spain in two thousand ten World Cup, David. We almost become inured by its repetition and its monotony because they are so dominant they constrict their opponent like a python it's amazing to witness just the potency and the lethal nature of the app but it's also boring because it takes away the suspense the anything can happen nature
1: and let's not forget they maintain a one point advantage assuming that they win that they win their game in At hand. Trafford. I know they've got some tough fixtures to come against Tottenham and against Man United but they're favorites in both of those games without a doubt and they have the ability, no doubt about it, to be perfect coming in the rest of the season. As we said, City jumped temporarily back in front of Liverpool with Klopp's mob set to face their toughest test, or on paper what should have been, of the run-in. Chelsea Football Club in the eleven thirty AM Eastern Time kickoff, after a nip and tuck First half, Liverpool hit first on 50 minutes when Sadio Mane elevated like a Senegalese Giannis to head home a pinpoint (laughs) Hendo cross. Mo Salah added a second 140 seconds later, a goal of the season contender that sent the Anfield faithful into raptures. Liverpool held on to win it 2-0, maintained their two-point lead on City. They've played one more game. It's all smiles, very toothy, super white bleach smiles. Rog on the red half of Merseyside. Same day as
0: Tiger won the Masters. Huge weekend for wearers of red. Yeah. Games of Chelsea team that should be said have not lost to Anfield since 2012. Mm. And we're hoping for a repeat of Stevie G's Darkest Hour. The April 2014 game in which Brendan Rodgers Liverpool top of the table with an 11-game winning streak saw their title challenge begin to go to smoke in the cruelest, most haunting of ways as well as the 30th anniversary of the horror of Hillsborough and the savage fight for justice for the 96 by the victims' families that has ensued. Oh, Chelsea entered. They'd won three in a row. It was a big game for them too in the race for the top four. They started to play the babies, unleashing all the double-barrel names. But from the off, set up a rearguard action. Same strategy they used to beat Manchester City. Seeding possession, looking to steal a chance on the break if Liverpool overexpose themselves. Very unsarry-like tactics, David.
1: You're right this was like the Man City game at Stamford Bridge earlier in the season when they when they did them at home and they did set up a little bit in the first half. Like screw. Yeah, but with some notable changes in lineup and I think oh poor Hudson-Adoy. Poor Hudson-Adoy like sh- Put into the starting lineup. I mean, all I could. Season this is waited. not that all season he's waited. It's not like they blood in with a few five-minute, ten-minute, fifteen-minute substitute appearances to get into it. Sari, it just seems, has responded to pressure because he's been embarrassed because this guy has been picked for England, has been amazing in the in in the uh, in the Europa League games puts him now and starts him at Anfield almost in a game a, of this size. Almost a spite start, Dave. A spite start. A game yeah. in which you couldn't show any of his assets. It was Mourinho-like. It was yeah. a Mourinho-like
0: spite See, start. See, I told you he's crap. This is yeah. a game for fighters, not lovers. Yeah. This is a game for Dave, yeah. who never oh, lacked the magic. He never backed off tactically fouling when he needed
1: to. But Hudson-Odoi, this was not the game in which you blood him unless you really yeah. want to show him up. And it was outside. Look, I think Ruben Loftus-Cheek had a better game than Callum Hudson-Odoi. And, and you know, he's he's sort of has a lot more experience to go and be thrust into a situation like this. But I felt very bad for Callum Hudson-Odoi. But... You know, this is a tighter Chelsea team. This is not the team that went to Anfield earlier in the season. You know, when Liverpool started the season and won all those games in a row, Chelsea were the first team who went into Anfield, first team who actually beat Liverpool anywhere in the Carabao Cup. Then they almost took them, I think, a week later at home at Stamford Bridge. It was that, you know, last minute Daniel Sturridge. Sturridge, uh, Stonker. Stonker. Slapper and a banger. Yeah, that tied the game. You know, Chelsea, it felt like were a team that could match Liverpool earlier in the season. And they matched them in the first half. But you know, the weirdest you thing about Chelsea is ultimately it's not about their weakness of play all the time. It's just their weakness of spirit, which is the oddest thing as a Chelsea fan to watch a Chelsea team that just has Welcome, friend. so little spirit.
0: Welcome, I mean, I, I, Liverpool were up for it. I mean, every one of their players was passing, moving, pressing. They did carve Chelsea open a couple of times in that first half. But do you not know think in that locker room at halftime? the Chelsea players could have looked at each other and said, this is working. We've, we've held Liverpool at bay. We have to hope that the nerves are going to ratchet, the psychological pressure is going to kick in. We've got them where we want them.
1: Yeah, but what are Liverpool going to do coming out in the second half? You know what Klopp's halftime speech is going to be. It's going to be press harder, press harder, press harder, press harder, which is exactly what Liverpool did when they came out. And Chelsea came out flat-footed, and not for the first time this season. Chelsea come out after a half time break not armed with anything tactically new, any kind of surprise, any kind of ability to react to what an opponent does. This is one of my biggest criticisms of Sarri, is that I don't know what he does at halftime. He's probably too busy smoking to actually think about what he's going to say to one his One of my team. life
0: truths, Davo, is the cigarettes do not smoke themselves. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But for
1: me, the game changed
0: for Chelsea with the loss of Rudiger, replaced by Christensen. That Chelsea backline was noticeably slightly... Mm slightly less cohesive. And Liverpool pounced on that small but noticeable differential. I mean, respect to Liverpool, they'd never panicked. They never got over They never lost their focus. They were patient. It was almost a methodical belief that if they maintained possession and they maintained their commitment to collective team football, that the goal would come. And the opening goal did come. It was made, and we have to say this, this is not a joke. This really happened by Jordan Henderson the Hendo redemption story. One that is oh so bloody life validating and will remain so until the media decides one that he's crap again. But in this final third of the season, he's been allowed to run more freely in that midfield, run into the box more, influence games in the final third. And here... He charged in, floated an
1: incredible ball, David. Floated an incredible ball, but it's his desire to win. He's a real competitor, Jordan Henderson. He's the kind of player you want, you know, skippering your team in a, uh, in, in a title chase. An amazing ball, sends of the back post, great vision, not the uh, obvious ball. Mane lives at that far post. Mane yeah. is always hanging Pitched around. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, that's it. you just know Mane is going to be where he always is. Far post, bringing the hang times and nod it home. Did love on this goal. We didn't have time to show it on the Men in Blazers show how everyone went and celebrated with Mane, but Hendo ran off to celebrate on his own as well. He should because the assist was beautiful. He yeah. cherished it and he just ran over to his own corner flag and celebrated solo with the fans. But what feelings he must be feeling as the last remnant of that 2014 squad who, who saw the title slip from their grasp now. And credit Mane too. what a player he is, Dave. Yeah. Score of big goals, 21 this season total, all comps in big moments. Of big games. And at Southampton, we knew he could score, but he mostly surprised if I did it around contract renewal time or when he was playing for a move. His consistency in this second half of the season has really been when Liverpool have needed him, he's been the man that's been there. And confidence surged through the entire Liverpool 11's veins. Two minutes and 22 seconds later, Salah, who'd hustled, he'd
1: flickered, he'd been a little frustrated all game. What did he do? Oh, he unleashed a corker. I mean... The perfect shot. The perfect shot. I um, mean, almost toe-poked it. It was a amazing contact on the ball, and it sort of veers oh, away from Kepa, who went with the wrong arm. I still don't think he could have got it with the right arm, and uh, sails into the corner. there. And two goals. and you're So emphatic. Yeah, and you'd say maybe undefendable. Still, Jorginho sits off him, as you do, because they think he's going he to go and beat him on the dribble. I mean, frankly, I could beat Jorginho on the dribble. It's just tough hit, to watch Chelsea defend like that. Have you ever hit a like ball that. like that? No. Oh. No, I mean tennis ball never, with a racket. Never but hit have Never. I've never hit I've when I've hit a couple of, you know, backhands down the line that have literally <sighs> given me the thickening, but I've never hit, I've hit a one. I've never I've hit, hit one. I've never one. hit one. what one? One football. Yeah. Really? Yeah. When? Big game. Yeah.
0: I was playing uh yeah. football hotel yeah. in Manchester, dinner with uh-huh. Arlo White. Yeah. And football hotel in by the Neville brothers, but the yeah. Manx on The roof, they showed us up. They said, We have a football pitch here, uh-huh. and um, I'm we like, Okay, oh, hey, wicked. So, we went in, got to find the video of this. We got yeah. the video, so do I. Like. If, it, if
1: you're saying it's as good as Mo Salah's shot, we do have to find the video, probably we'll go side by side. Bad.
0: I can just tell you, yeah, do you see how Keppel like, at least dived and tried to save it? Yeah, I hit the ball from from full length of the pitch, yeah, so hard. I just like, I'd eaten. Um, I'd eaten a really <laughs> good, good pie. macaroni and cheese and pie I was pie I just eaten an amazing pie
1: you were high and on I was pie
0: d- yeah totally I'd had a bunch of buds imagine Mo didn't do the pie thing but I was pie powered and I just like leapt like Mo did I leapt into the ball as I hit it and I'll say Kepa at least dived Arlo White in goal mm-hmm. couldn't didn't even have chance to move he never saw the bullet coming and it just thrashed it's the most satisfying feeling of my life other than four children being born I'd mm-hmm. put that number five, mm. number five in just the most satisfying achievements of my life. I think we should pull the tape. Anyway, back to Mo's goal. The tape? That strike was... It was amazing. It was like, I looked at it, I was like Chairman Mao used to instruct China's best ping pong players to hit the ball as if it was ahead of their capitalist enemy. And I feel it was a bit of, against his former team, Chelsea, some redemption there. <laughs> just laying out on the ball. And that's Sally. The yoga tree pose, by the way, in the 1980s, if you did yoga celebrations in a, f- a football culture which was toxic masculinity defined, you would have got a red card for unfurling a yoga mm. cellie. But you contrast that with the no selly he did after last scoring against Chelsea. Uh, and I did wonder whether it was a, a comment, and we'll talk about this later in the pod, to the fans caught in the Chelsea racist incident of the last week where they sang songs about Mo Salah. <laughs> it was him saying, I'm Zen the problem is all yours not mine 19 goals on the season now this terrible season this bust of a season this failure of a season tied for league top scorer with Kunigwara oh the egyptian king
1: yeah the embarrassing thing as a chelsea fan is just this is just the latest the latest of a series of racist incidents involving Chelsea fans that we're going to get to. And a ton of
0: other year. clubs, yeah. ton of every, show me a club in, in English football that is not caught up in it, but we'll talk about it. The thing about this moment, though, the two goals less rocked Chelsea and more woke them up, Dave. They were briefly a big game mentality flickeringly revealed itself as are two chances in two minutes. First hit the post you said Second that to gone. me
1: yeah you said that to me but it doesn't to me when you're 2-0 down it's this is when it's easy it's when it's 0-0 nil, nil at halftime is when the game is really being decided and on both those goals Emerson yes there was some contact as Salah went past him that might have been called had he not been on a superstar player had he not been sort of an unknown uh, left back but Emerson once again a player who's been blooded into the first team side having been given so few substitute appearances during the season you talked about Rudiger going off and Christensen coming on Christensen arguably Chelsea's best defender of the the past two seasons barely gets a substitute appearance in this season. Then he gets thrust in, in the middle of this game. His confidence must be somewhat shot by the lack of squad rotation with Rudiger, a player who's been way inferior to him over, over previous seasons. And it's just Chelsea's defending. I have to say Sarri's management of a Chelsea team that have been built on their spirit and their defensive solidity. It just is just absent.
0: Well, I will say about as and his misses. Oh, it reminded me of how he's going to play at Real Madrid. I see two disappointing seasons there before he returned to the Premier League by signing with Arsenal, <laughs> a.k.a. the reverse Cesc. That is my prediction when I watched his second half performance. We did have some time for some poetic human theatre. The 84th minute, Andy Robertson slipping up, Dave, in exactly yeah. the same spot as Gerard. Why aren't the Liverpool ground staff cleaning up that patch, for God's sakes? Whatever there's there, like banana skins, or oil
1: spills, get them up, lads. Yeah.
0: Luckily, it was just Higuain who picked up the chance. He's no Denver Bar. I did love Klopp's oh, I miss, reaction.
1: I, miss, I never thought I'd miss Denver Bar so much. I never thought <laughs> the that. The great Denver yeah, Bar. Never
0: thought it. Klopp turned to the crowd, oh, amped them up, bellowed to them. What have we just seen? What kind of magic? The gods are with us. It was like medieval warfare, uh, an action that becomes a stuff of ballads and legend. Klopp later said, we can close the slippy book then, which I love, the slippy book. That was pretty much it from a Chelsea POV outside of a Europa League triumph. They no longer control their own top four destiny. They did it. I did think they had chances to score, as are the Guayne, They'll circle the game now against United Old Trafford and think that's where we have to win if we're going to do this.
1: There is hope, David. Chelsea have got to basically win every game coming in, including in the Europa League. They've now got to be perfect. And if they are, my great fear is that saves Sarri's job. And I don't know that I want that to happen. So... I've written off this season. I'm hoping that Palace can finish top 10. That's honestly where I am this season, and I'm going to watch the title race thrilled like everybody else. I don't think the book is completely closed on the slipping incident, unless Liverpool win the league, frankly. I think they've got to win the league. They've got to now do it. This was a very, very big win for them. This was a huge piece of progress for them towards winning it. Massive in terms of
0: game management, David. Yeah. Even bigger in terms of title race management. They've got four games to go, playing Cardiff. Yeah. Yeah. Huddersfield, Newcastle, Wolves, the average league position, the teams they're facing, 15.3. Yeah. Man City's remaining opponents, 9.2, of course, including Manchester United. I watched Klopp walk up to the cop at the final whistle and think long and hard, tease him a little bit. Should I keep things calm by just clap over my head, footballer style? And then he thought, F it, I'm going to do my signature running crazy man, old school German, Ronnie from Jersey Shore, fist pumping. And I thought, why not? Why not? As Yoko Ono and John Lennon once said, a dream you dream alone is only a dream. A dream you dream together is reality. We watched more than a win to me, David. This was like a footballing exorcism. I, I do think the Stephen Gerrard slip, which has haunted Liverpool since April 2014, was exercised in this win. Where there was a wound, where there was fear, where there was vulnerability, there's now belief and emboldened confidence.
1: No, certainly. Klopp's celebration at the end, it looked to me like he thought, this is it, we're going to win the league now. And I think a lot of Liverpool fans felt at the end of this game, this is it, we're going to win the league now. And I think they will go perfect for the rest of the season. I think it's about whether Man City can win those two very difficult games and go perfect as well. Uh, anyway, one of those teams, they've got to beat Manchester United. They beat West Ham 2-1. Two penalties from the mercurial Paul Pogba lift Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's <sighs> men past a sprightly... Irons team, after being tied 1-1 at halftime, it was really the introduction of substitute Marcus Rashford that changed this game. That and a David De Gea save, Rog, on Mikel Antonio that looked like a human doing one of those incredible cat feet videos you see with (laughs) 20,000 likes on Twitter. From that save, United went right down to the other end and drew the penalty that won it for them. A stunning exchange of footballing fortunes and a reminder, if we needed it, that the Premier League is a competition of razor-thin margins. I mean,
0: Ole, after the game said, United got away with it, and boy... They needed to. Ole had lost his four game in five. Been outclassed by Barcelona in the Champions League first leg. Tough run of games ahead. Barca, then West Ham, Everton, Man City and Chelsea in the Premier League. And the media's narrative started to fold in on itself slightly. Talking about United, quote, struggle to qualify for next season's Champions League. This is on Ole now. This is on Ole it wasn't that he took back that 10-point gap that Mourinho had spotted him. This is definitely on him. And they saw, seemed ponderous, cumbersome. West Ham was sprightly on the break. It was Pogba who edged it with two penalties. And he was the number one topic of conversation before, during and after the game, Davo, because he refused to refute a question about whether he wants to move to Zidane's Real Madrid, which is oddly, keeps saying, it's a dream, Davo, it's a dream.
1: Yeah, it's a dream, not that it's a bad dream. It's a bad dream for everyone in Manchester right now. I don't know. I feel like, you know, they might play better without him. Ewing effect. Yeah, and I think a lot of Man United fans are starting to feel similarly. Lots of very, very good young players in that Man United uh, squad. So, I don't know. We've seen three Pogbas in one
0: season. We've seen the half-assing third of the season in which he just wanted to sabotage and undermine Jose Mourinho. And then the imperious game-changer, who emerged with the arrival of cool new stepdad Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah, but it was spike game-changing. It was spike game-changing. Eight goals, five assists. That's incredibly deep spike. Ten games, he scored eight times. And then he's morphed with United's recent slump, back into the want-away, half-assing, experiencing a goal drought. Ended with two penalties Good penalties. Yeah. I mean, I, I said on the show, every PP penalties is like a Joseph Cornell box. They're unique. There's the, so many different <laughs> variations of comedy trotting routines. These yeah. ones are old school. Breathing. Yeah, blasting. And then he ran towards the old Trafford faithful, opened his legs wide. He manspreaded, commanded their adoration. <laughs> and for now, you know, there's a Q day volley of United fan tweets, poor Pogba leader. And I've got to say, I'm wondering, should you fight to keep him? I mean, can you trust? Like I love it here. I love now. I want away. It's a dream. Now, now I love it here again. I've, it's. I mean, it, I think it's getting to the point of magical thinking to believe he's going to knuckle down and become the team leader that we know he can be. That they want him to be. They, you know, they offer him the captaincy to pander to him. To me, show sure, more than enough to say it's going to be a distraction. It is going to flare up. You cannot risk that distraction. You cannot
1: indulge that. I sell now. Call that convenience bias? Is that you have a bias because it's so inconvenient to lose him? You've you've paid so much for him, you've invested so much in him. He's a star, probably commercially. He's oh, worth a lot. We have to take that gigantic banner United. down off the front. Absolutely. So the off. convenience bias is you <laughs> convince yourself that the only thing you can possibly do is keep him. How many bolts
0: are in that huge banner on the front of Old Trafford with his face on it? I can't be asked unscrewing them.
1: Let's I think it him. goes to philosophy. I think teams have to have a a playing style a philosophy more than just of teams have to have a playing style a club has to have a philosophy about the kind of players that work at that club the kind of managers that work at that club under OGS they've got a chance to go back to that it is a chance to sort of revisit the Ferguson era and have players who want to be at that club or play as a collective for a player who understood what it was like to play under that collective so true. Pogba is never going to be that person and never United, going to be that I know person. you listen Ed
0: Woodward one of those players that you should bring in immediately junk toast and pay whatever <laughs> Everton want for
1: <laughs> Okay, Rog, Tottenham 4, Huddersfield 0, injury hit Spurs, that's their new name, injury (laughs) hit Spurs Stadium, they play at the injury hit Spurs Stadium, follow up their impressive midweek 1-0 Champions League first leg win over Man City, wow, that was amazing, by thumping Huddersfield at their new gaff, Lucas Moura grabs the headline with a hat-trick of frankly astonishing finishes, Rog, Spurs back up to third.
0: Yeah, poor Spurs, they wait forever, forever for their state-of-the-art glorious new stadium to open and as soon as it does... The worst nightmare comes true in that beautiful, beautiful tunnel they've built. What's one of the first shots of it we see? Spitfire captain Harry Kane limping down it, ligament injury, likely out for the season. The lesser Harry, Winks, also out for a spell. Deli Alley yeah. injured. God must be a gooner who will only allow Spurs to have one thing or the other. Nice home ground or an amazing first 11, but not both.
1: It's heartbreaking. Yeah. But step up Lucas Moura, you know, a player who, you know. Ch- to who Tottenham fans like, have a difficult time really sort of figuring out. They watch him being brilliant, then they watch him being lousy, they watch him being selected, they watch him on the bench, and then suddenly he just explodes in this game. Yeah, I mean, three great finishes. I will say off three stunning assists,
0: his first Premier League hat-trick came at a great time with Spurs' forces so depleted. I tell you, he's a man who's not always looked comfortable as Spurs' kind of fourth or fifth option and he's mm. stepping up now in their hour of need. I was really impressed in this one, really, by Spurs' mentality. I know it was only Huddersfield, listeners, I know. But to lose Kane, Delhi, and keep on rumbling with that thin squad stretch, to me, it is a testament to Tottenham's force of will. Other clubs, Everton, could have wilted. They would mentally, and that Spurs didn't get a lot of credit. Our MR Taylor tweeted us to say, My only concern... As a Spurs fan, is that this will only encourage Spurs chairman Dan Levy to continue to keep his pocketbook closed. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure Dan Levy looked at Mora's two-year-old son dribbling with his dad on the field after the game. A lovely scene and thought, hmm, maybe we could play Lucas Mora's son against Manchester
1: City. He's got a decent touch. He's one of our own. Unlike He's one of our own. Unlike other clubs, I could mention. You know what? He'll probably get a chance. Because you know why? Potch rotates the squad. And one of the reasons that Murray is able to perform is he's had enough appearances this season. A lot of players have got a chance. When was the last time you heard of any unrest in the Tottenham dressing room? When was the last time you heard, you know, players being like miserably, miserably unhappy at this club? Yes, there are always players who are looking for a new contract, looking for more playing time. But, you know, this is a squad that seem to get on remarkably well with each other. They celebrate with each other. They look remarkably together despite any challenge. God,
0: just remind me, Pochettino told me that the key to a great team is to make sure... And it's the small things. I know this is nonsense, this is everything and nothing, but he makes sure that every single Spurs player shakes hands with every other Spurs player, coach, and staff person when they see them for the first time it's just a value which he's
1: committed to the club yeah it's, it's a, a, a value thing. what a great word it's a value and that's is a value because he puts a value on that i'm a big person hellos and goodbyes are very important to me as a human it's something i really get my children to understand that the way you greet someone and the way you say goodbye to someone is really important because <sighs> it's about respect shut up and sod off for big in my house <laughs> 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 talking of shut up and sod off <laughs> Watford nil Arsenal one Unai Emery's men re-enter the top four after seeing off 10-man Watford on Monday night football just the game's lone goal came from Aubameyang in the 10th oh. minute his 18th of the season a minute later Troidini was sent off for what was judged to be an elbow on Uruguayan Terrier Lucas Torreira Arsenal hold on to the lead and sit just a point back from third mm. place Spurs
0: okay I me, mean, it's Watford as of recent times Arsenal's equivalent of being told to cough by a proctologist, a test of their stones, or as Troy Deeney said in 2017, cojones. He said that after a heroic win, that Arsenal are so weak he likes to, quote, take the field and whack the first one I see and say, who wants it? And the answer on this day was referee Craig Pawson, who gave Deeney a red after a handy elbow and say, um, a handy elbow. J-Dubs is, is nodding to Torreira. Uh, but this whole thing was a reminder to the world there can be too much kahunas. We didn't need to know that, Troy Deeney, but there can be. So honestly, it was like watching the Thomas Crown Affair in which Deeney plays the Pierce Brosnan role where you tell the whole world that you're going to steal a Monet painting and then you actually go and try and steal it. God love Watford, though, for being such gracious hosts. They'd already gifted Arsenal
1: lead, the Ben Foster goal. Oh, yeah, Ben the, Foster. I mean, this was a, a, an own goal of Phil Jones' quality without it actually being an <laughs> own goal.
0: <laughs> he blasted the ball off a pressing Obama Yang into his own net. Just, oh, Watford. The combined impact of that self-sabotage actually inspired them. That's what I love. They love, this Watford team loved the taste of their own blood in their mouth. It was they with 10 minutes. It was only then that it felt like view. football. Yeah. I mean, Arsenal, Michael Kerr, my Arsenal fan, texted me at the end of the game. He was just like, I have soiled myself for the last 75 minutes. I mean, Arsenal not convincing. Their fans suffered. It was it was, it was, was pretty dire. But this end of the season, first away clean sheet of the campaign for a team that, quote, can't win away. You take the points,
1: don't you? Any which way you can get them, Dave. And thank the old gods and the new. Yeah, another Arsenal, famous Arsenal fan on Twitter, can't remember where it was, uh, wrote that I can't believe how far it's come that we're celebrating Arsenal being arguably the better team against 10-man Watford.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is. My favourite moment of the match, Arsenal fans singing deliriously, how sh- must you be? We're winning away.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Burnley 2, Cardiff 0, a victory that all but ensures top flight oh. football will return to the Shire next season. Two goals from Kiwi Chris Wood brings the Clarets to 39 points on the season, 11 clear of the drop. Cardiff, meanwhile, now five points adrift of safety and running out of games. Yeah,
0: hard done to again. Here they're awarded a penalty, which was then overruled by a linesman. Exactly how Neil Warnock likes it. Few men love the self righteous sting of feeling wrong more than old Warnock. Cardiff out, listing dangerously, barely clinging to survival, five points from safety with an extra game played. Brighton now seem to be the only team they can catch. They play later today in a game which I imagine, or I hope maybe, maybe hope more than imagine, will be a bit like the the bar
1: fight scene in Trainspotting. Southampton 3, Wolves 1. Another massive win for a team mired in the relegation bog. Two goals from Nathan Redman and one from Shane Long. Again, Rod, C. Ralph Rabbit Hutch's Amazing. mob put eight points between themselves and the drop zone. The boys from the Black Joy. Meanwhile, in eighth place, one spot off a seventh place finish. That <sighs> if City win the FA Cup, will be good enough for a Europa League spot next season.
0: Astonishing this season. No team is falling for that Europa League trick. Qualifying, we've said, for that tournament is like, falling for a Nigerian scammer email any aspirational team who thinks about champions league next season just has their energies and resources depleted by the never ending tournament format all of the teams in the hunt for seventh place faltered this weekend wolves astonishing team they've averaged 1.2 points away from home against the top 6 and just 0.2 when visiting the bottom 5 wow. astonishing on every single level that is you always have to try to pull that off, it's so nincompoopish. All hail <laughs> Southampton, though. It's hard to remember just how doomed they were yeah. when Ralph Hustle, 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 and flop, em, flop em arrived, <laughs> and they've survived. Not by clawing points. They played intelligent, tactically astute football. They, to me, are the
1: much-slept-on wonder
0: of this season. Totally stuffed with them.
1: Did I dream this? Or was, was this, like, so. seven years ago? Or was Mark Hughes their manager at the beginning of the season? I mean, it does, this does not feel like it ever happened. Ralph Hampton, it's not a place, David. It's a state of mind. Yeah, but it's actually not a place. Leicester 0, Newcastle 1, a massive boost for the Toons Premier League survival hopes. The 32nd minute Ayosi Perez goal gives them their first win in four games and lifts them 10 points clear of the drop zone. Portly Rodge, eating good, (laughs) winning games.
0: Classic Newcastle win by my stunt double. Rafa Benitez, far a freakish run of results. His team are now safe. Remarkable feat. Also a classic Brendan Rodgers performance, Leicester completed 649 passes, their highest total in a Premier League game since 2004. And it's like watching Brendan's early Liverpool tenure when he suggested with a straight face after games that the final score wasn't as important. As a possession percentage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Brighton nil, Bournemouth five. Nearly half the Bournemouth starting 11 score in this absolute trouncing of the Seagulls, Rog. But we're interested in only one man. Ryan Weeman, Fraser, the pride of Aberdeen. Gulls fans won't find that as amusing. Chris Houghton's side have lost three on the spin and are just five clear of the draw. Yeah, this is amazing.
0: Boon for Bournemouth, whose season seem to be petering out. Ryan Weeman, Fraser, omnipotent. He's registered, I love this stat, as many league assists this season, 12, as Lionel Messi. <laughs> He's like Messi, if Messi was even more tiny yeah. and Scottish.
1: <laughs> Lionel Messi! What are you looking at, Lionel? <laughs> uh, are you a hibbo, Lionel? <laughs> you're a, hot, a jumbo, or a hibbo? Aye, Hi, Lionel, pile my plate with him. Uh, Fulham, two, Everton, <laughs> nil. Rog, you're Everton looking for that Uh, Europa League spot that you love so much. They've got a gimme at Craven Cottage, Mm -hmm. a team that are literally dead, Mm -hmm. buried, Mm -hmm. over, Give it up. Somehow, you got shut out by the league's worst defence. Bless, Rog. Yeah, by the
0: way, running high after only one defeat in our last six games. Yeah. Of course we...
1: You're starting to enjoy watching Everton play football, Rog.
0: Mistake. (laughs) Mistake. Learn from your mistakes, Everton fans. Of course they go and plummet, just... Meekly, dead-legged, hopeless. First Premier League win in 10 games for Fulham, having lost each of the previous nine heavily. Sometimes, I think Everton are just the Premier League's make-a-wish foundation. We really are. Mm -hmm. Remember last week, Davo, after the euphoria of the Arsenal victory, I masked it by saying, why be happy because there's a darkness coming? And I told the story of how my second kid, Bear, warned me not to enjoy the win at the final whistle because misery was undoubtedly just around the corner. I want to thank all Everton supporting GFOPs who remembered that advice. At Anderson, MT09, one of many who tweeted me to say, bear your son is a prophet. Here's the sad truth of the weekend, Davo. After telling you how much I hate Europa League football, I only realized how very badly I wanted it <laughs> once because <laughs> I want my Everton team to travel to parts of Europe, known only to heroin traders and arms smugglers. Don't take it away from me. I'm actually headed home this weekend with my whole family, Mm -hmm. uh, mostly so I can take my daughter to a first-ever game. We're going on Sunday against Manchester United, taking all four of my kids, Uh which is next-level darkness indoctrination. I'm a terrible parent, and I couldn't be more excited.
1: And The weekend after that, I'm going to be in London, my dad turning 90 years old, Rog, on Wednesday, April 24th. I'm going over Trev. Has made it to ninety, perfect health. Can't hear the phone ring when I call him. Other than that, he's in, he's just perfectly health. Um, going home for his ninetieth birthday. What
0: life's about, mate.
1: And I'm going to go to see for the second time this season. I don't think I've ever seen Everton play twice in a season. I'm going to go and see them uh, take on Palace. Definitely
0: Yeah, you'll find this one a lot easier. Um, but I'm taking my dad to the Everton game too. Three generations of Bennets will be. Oh, let down, distraught, totally deflated come the final whistle. It's going to be magnificent.
1: That'll be amazing. OK, Roger. now to a topic about which we've received many ravens, the spate of recent racist incidents involving Premier League fans. This week saw West Ham fans chanting anti-Semitic songs on the way to Old Trafford and Chelsea Football Club mm. being forced to put out a strong statement again, decrying the behaviour of their fans who were caught on video singing vile chants about Mohammed Salah before last week's Europa League quarter-final first leg with Slavia Prague. Players like Danny Rose have spoken out about the impact it has on their Mm. lives and careers and a lot of GFOPs have written in asking us for our thoughts on the issue and wondering if the outbreaks reflect an uptick in racism in the English game (sighs) to me it's not an uptick
0: it's more that the issue is finally coming out into the light yeah and it's an awful awful process Uh, but it's always been there been terrible for a long time but it's coming out into light and and hopefully, not necessarily, but hopefully this is a time for changing. Again, we've got to credit, a lot of this is because Raheem Sterling has been bold enough to talk about it and articulate how he's suffered compared to uh, the white players who came through alongside him in terms of the treatment both by the media and by fans, which has led to other players speaking out really in harrowing ways when you'll see what Danny Rose said, shining a light on the true awfulness of this aspect of football culture, but it's always there because football is merely a mirror. And I believe this deeply of the society which surrounds it. And I will say, David, before you give me your thoughts, no club is immune. This is not a Chelsea problem. This is not just a West Ham problem. Everton have historically had an awful track record. What's now changed is that players are not willing to be silent anymore. Jacob Steinberg wrote an eye-popping long read in The Guardian last week about how pervasive racism is in every single facet of the game. Racism of all kinds, from overt fan abuse that we're, we're hearing about, to, to coaches in youth teams, uh, or, or, or at the youth level, players saying that they were always just thrown onto the wing because they were black and, quote, pace, you'll play on the wing, never allowed to be in the centre Uh, in the midfield as an intelligent, creative general, a bit like the NFL back in the 80s when it was common wisdom (laughs) that an African-American could never play quarterback. Racism is endemic in all levels of the game. And what's important is we've got to keep talking about it and then acting upon it right now. That's the, that's the the big decision point. Will we act on it or will we just talk about it, David?
1: It does exist at every club in football. It exists in every region of England. As a South Londoner, I find it just remarkable that it's still going on, even at clubs in South London, you know, which are, you know, as multicultural as they come. It is particularly not embarrassing. It's more than embarrassing. It's shameful for me as a Chelsea fan to hear disbehavior. Um, and it's almost like it's this thug mentality. It's this group mentality. And it's partly that football exacerbates a problem because you get a lot of young guys together, alcohol's involved. There was a brilliant article recently about the traveling English fans um, and their recent, you know, Euro adventures. And this this small group of like English fans who still travel with the team and just sing vile songs and do vile things. And I'm very aware of it and have been aware of it my whole life and have felt uncomfortable about it my whole life. You remember a few years ago after the John Terry incident at Loftus Road against Queen's Park Rangers. And I said at the time it was, you know, I received some strongly worded mail about it because I said the real problem in football is not amongst players on the pitch who've, on the whole, grown up and played you know, in a very multicultural environment in English football, the the problem is really still amongst the fans. And really since that incident, we've just had fan incident after fan incident after fan incident after fan incident. Clubs have to adopt a zero tolerance policy to this. The media have to not only adopt a zero tolerance policy towards it, they have to start checking themselves and the things that they do and the things that they write that make it worse. And actually what I really credit Raheem Sterling for is for taking on the media about their own bias.
0: Yeah, I mean, true punishments for racist behaviour. Real money pumped into the non-profits that have been set up to kick racism out of the game, not just token investment. Zero tolerance within the clubs in terms of facing up, self-policing uh, their own fans' behaviour. These are painful times. But we just we can't go back to the 1980s when if you talk to black players who played them, the racism existed overtly everywhere. Managers, players, locker rooms, home fans as well as the way you found No, without a doubt. I mean, what what was called banter. I just hate that word. Banter is just always the worst. We have lifted up in this moment. We've lifted up a rock. And what we found underneath is really ugly. But it doesn't mean that we should simply put it back. We cannot put it back. In better news, David. Yeah, very much so. National Women's Soccer League is back for its seventh season. Please God, looking for a massive bump in a year of wonder, a World Cup year. Also a year of challenge. How is there not a national television deal for this league in a World Cup? Yeah, it's, it's, it's so upsetting. It's beyond me, honestly. I, I followed along digitally, and the game I enjoyed most, North Carolina's Courage, 1-1 tie with the Chicago Red Stars, in which a majestic Australian Sam Kerr and the U.S.'s Atomic Mike Crystal Dunn both scored. What I don't understand is why one big brand, a Target, a Levi's, a Toyota, doesn't step in and give real money to own women's football right now. Right in this moment, transform the game, gain so much brand love. Few things will make the sporting landscape better in America right now than real investment in all facets of the women's club game. Any is listening, and I know there's at least three of you,
1: please call us. I will give my everything to support your work. Absolutely. One thing you can do, GFOPs, is to support the league, even if you're not in one of the markets uh, with a team, is watch it via the Yahoo Sports app. Uh, or on Yahoo's website. Okay, your Premier League weekend looks like this. It begins at 7.30 a.m. Eastern time with the game of the week, Man City (laughs) versus Tottenham Hotspur, and then some tasty, tasty action Sunday with you and your whole family, Rog, watching Everton host United at 8.30 a.m., followed by Cardiff hosting Liverpool at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Oh, my, how Warnock would love to pee in that punch. All those games on the NBC family of networks. Let's have a prophetic shot of Jägermeister, find out what's going to happen. What is your Jägermeister telling you, Rog?
0: Oh, Ooh, my Jägermeister is telling me two things. One, don't go to Goodison Park with your children. Warning, stay away. Do not be a bad parent. <laughs> On no means take your children. But it also tells me more interestingly, and what I'm going to listen to it about Tottenham, Manchester City, going to be a hard fought street to street, building to building, hand to hand battle. And that City are going to wedge it at the last. Hugo Lloris getting an assist. And a gunned goal. Oh, don't tell me that, Jägermeister. It's the kind of feeling I'll experience if
1: Samuel Tarly dies. My Jägermeister, Rog, a little cloudy this week. Taste of drop points, perhaps, in the <gasps> title race. Doesn't say who, doesn't say how many, but I do see another twist. In this title race for the ages this weekend, there are many ways to connect to us, including our now extinct Amazon Emporium, which has transformed into the board Ballmark. Anytime you buy something big or small from the Ballmark, we get a tiny percentage that allows us to produce additional, albeit sub optimal, content. What are you putting in the Ballmark this week, Roger?
0: A book, uh-huh. Mouthful of Birds by Samantha Schweblin, a brilliant, unsettling in a good way book of short stories. By the Argentine writer of *Fever Dream*, these are brilliantly constructed tales with mystery, with twists, with spare storytelling. There's fear of violence in there. There's violence in there, and an almost direct route into the darkest fears of the reader in relation to human existence, which is why I loved it so. Really, I've just described *Everton's* whole season.
1: Rog, I could talk about the 2008. Uh, BMW 7 Series Alpina that I'm stalking on bringatrailer.com. I want myself a Almost. 2008 Alpina.
0: Oh, bringatrailer.
1: bringatrailer.com. The, I mean, bringatrailer, this is better than any porn for me. It's just beautiful old cars, lovingly restored on the whole by their owners. Of Siennas on there. I'd never seen a Toyota Sienna, but there may be one day. That uh, it would be a very souped-up Toyota Sienna. Right now, I want a BMW 7 Series Alpina, late uh, 2000s model. Could talk about that. I'm actually going to do. I'm going to depart. I'm going to talk about something that I will never buy again. Mm. Mm. In air Wi-Fi, Rog. In air Wi-Fi has to be the greatest ripoff in the history of ripoffs. It works sub-optimally about. Twenty-five percent of the time, it costs. It just—I've never seen anything inflate. There have been, you know, bread in war-torn countries has inflated <laughs> less than 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 in-air Wi-Fi. It's occasionally it's like you buy the whole flight, and it's like thirty-four dollars and ninety-five cents. It is unbelievable. I like spending money needlessly, Rog. But I got to tell you, I've reached a point where I will never, ever purchase in-air Wi-Fi ever again. Go-Go, if you're listening, <laughs> there's a National Women's Soccer League that just <laughs> by sponsoring,
0: point. you could take all this hate that we're throwing your way because you are awful. Strongly genuinely dislike. awful.
1: You're jacking us all off. Just sponsor the NWSL and I'll keep buying you. Okay, you can follow us on Twitter, at MenInBlazers, at EmbassyDavies, at Rog Bennett, Instagram, at MenInBlazers, at Embassy underscore Davies, Facebook Men in Blazers. You can always uh, send your Ravens the crap part of Soho. You can always email us at MenInBlazers, You can buy a book, rog. Oh, and oh, well, you've probably bought enough, Encyclopedia Blazer Tanica. Buy it for yourself, for your new football-loving friends. It's available at all good booksellers and some bad ones, and at a website that rhymes with Amazon. Vendor Punk, Rog. War Pig. Who wants to sex my tombo?
0: I like snacks.
1: Balls win, balls win. Take that, Gloria. Balls
0: lose. To Tweed. Abracado, rock on, mate. Kung Fu fight in America. Enjoy your dad's 90th birthday, Dave. I love you.
1: Go magic. Love you too.
0: I've oh, got to go and find that Arlo White video now. <laughs>